I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the very first episode of the Fans First Sports Network's College Football Playoff and Awards Podcast, Fame and Fortune and Everything That Goes With It. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined on the other side of the country by Jamie Urich. Jamie, happy Labor Day, happy one game left in week one of the college football season. How was the first week of action for you? Terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, uh, We watched the game at a local bar that was not an Ohio State bar. And there were a handful of Ohio State fans and pretty much nobody else in the bar, except for Matt, one table of Notre Dame fans. Oh, of course. If people listen to our show on Thursday in the No Fall Weddings uh, episode, we talked about the fact that you come from a long line of Notre Dame people in your family. And for that reason, you hate Notre Dame. I. I hate Notre Dame. Like, I hate Notre Dame. And this Notre Dame fan felt the need to cheer, like, actively for Indiana loudly and very obnoxiously to the point that at the end of the game, the other OSU fans at the bar sent him a shot of Malort which if you are not from Chicago probably means nothing. But if you are from Chicago, you absolutely know what Malort is. It is genuinely the worst thing you will ever drink. It gets consistently ranked the worst liqueur in the world. (laughs) Um, And they sent him a shot of Malort and they said that it was a shot of rum um, so that he thought it was a normal shot and like pranked him because it was so terrible to watch that game with him. We were just trying to have a peaceful afternoon of football. Well, on the positive side, on our show last week, you did predict that the Colorado Buffaloes were going to beat TCU, and I thought you were absolutely out of your mind. But as we know, Jamie, you were never wrong. So you got that one right. I'm never wrong. I did get that one right. Although yesterday did kind of put a dent in my long-term plans for the season. So yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But um yeah, that Colorado game, I don't know. I, I'm betting on Deion Sanders if somebody asks me, so. Okay. is uh, Sports betting's not legal in California, is it? 
I don't actually know. I've actually never put money on a sports game in my life. Oh, okay. Anywhere. Well, you're, not, you're not that far from Nevada, so you could if you really wanted to. I know, to. I could. I, it just it just doesn't seem like the thing that is where I want to spend my money. But Yeah, but if you're never wrong. That's true. You know what, you're making a good point. I'm getting in my car and I'm gonna go to going to Las Vegas right after this. Yeah. All right, well, here's what we're going to do on this show. We're going to talk about all things college football playoff, the Heisman Trophy, and as we get further in the season, other awards categories. I don't know that after week one. We've needed to talk about the Thorpe Award or anything like that. But this week, what we're going to do after week one, now, admittedly, we are recording this before Clemson and Duke play. I don't think that's going to impact anything that we have to talk about here. But we're going to rank our college football playoff picks based just off the first week. We are not projecting that these four teams will be the four that eventually make it. We will talk about that later in the show. But we're going to pick the four teams based off week zero and week one who we think deserve to be ranked one, two, three, and four in the season. Then we're going to also talk about who we have as Heisman finalists coming out of just week one. Again, not projecting to the end of the season. There's a lot of games left. We will get to those. But after one, one week, one and a half weeks, if you count week zero, we think it's pretty fun to kind of see where we're at and to track that throughout the season. So let's do it this way, Jamie. Who do you have as your number four seed following week one in the college football playoff? So here's my question that I want to establish for our listeners, Matt. Are we ranking these top four based on the top four teams as they currently stood going into week one and whether we think the committee will drop them? Or is this just like, I can bump up number 25. Yeah. Go, go for it. Have fun. I I think it's just pick based solely no other external factors, just the, the four teams that you think had the best performances over week zero and week one, regardless of where they were ranked, regardless of how many games you think they'll lose moving forward, just based off what we've seen this season so far. Who are your top four? Okay, number four, I would keep Alabama in that four slot. Okay, you're keeping Alabama. Why would you keep Alabama? They beat Middle Tennessee State 56-7. to Not exactly a huge opponent. Now, granted, they did really well, but the Blue Raiders are the Blue Raiders, and it's not exactly like they were going to put up much of a struggle in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, I, I think here's the thing. I actually kind of had my doubts about Alabama going into the season. Like, they're always going to be a good team, right? Nick Saban isn't running a tight ship for them to be mediocre. But I had my doubts about them going into this season as to whether they would live up to kind of what Alabama fans would consider a good season. Because as we know, Alabama fans are like OSU fans in that if you lose a game, it's not a good season. <laughs> Yeah. And I think to me, they answered some of the questions that I had about this team. Like Jalen Milrow looked so good. And I just feel like that piece alone was enough for me to be like, this is a team that even though they were only playing Middle Tennessee State, I trust them against a harder opponent based on what we saw just in this week. Yeah. Jalen Milrow, who did start at quarterback, he didn't get to throw the ball too, too much, but he didn't really need to. He was 13 of 18 for 194 yards and three touchdowns. He also had seven rushes for 48 yards and two more scores. So that was doing a lot with whatever limited time that he actually got in the game. So yeah, impressive, limited sample size because they were blowing Middle Tennessee out. So they pulled him early, but but an impressive performance nonetheless. I have a feeling based off you putting 
Alabama four that you and I are going to have very different <laughs> top fours um, coming out of this week because I went with the Washington Huskies. Currently number 10, I bumped them all the way up to number four, and that is because they beat Boise State by a score of 56 to 19. Boise State, perhaps not as good as it once was a decade ago, uh, but still a really quality group of five team. Potentially, you know, we'll see how the Mountain West does and if that gets bumped up in some way or not. But Michael Penix Jr., former Indiana quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., we're going to talk about him in our next segment here, Jamie, because he went 29 of 40 for 450 yards and five touchdown passes. This team is one of the presumed favorites to win the final Pac-12 title ever. And they did everything that you could possibly want out of them, except for the fact they didn't really run the ball super well. Sack-adjusted yardage was only 84 yards. They had 78 overall, so not exactly a big running game. But when you've got someone like Michael Penix Jr. putting up 450 yards uh, on a 73% completion rate, like that's that's pretty good. I will certainly I will certainly take that. Um, they were five for five in the red zone. They had three tackles for loss. So I mean, they they were a team that did really really well in a spot where this could be one of those trap games where it's, ah, it's Boise State week one opener. They could jump up and bite you, but I was very impressed with Michael Penix Jr., really impressed with the entire team of this soon-to-be Big Ten squad. Yeah, I actually really like that pick in the four spot. I mixed, my chaos comes a little bit later. Okay, fair. All right, well, who do you have at number three then? I've got Penn State moving into that number three slot. Okay. Um. So they played West Virginia again, like West Virginia. No one was really expecting West Virginia to be the most dominant team in this game, but we know that there's history there and we know that there's a little bit of a kind of longstanding rivalry. Historically, they haven't, you know, they haven't played in a, in a hot second, but um, I think because of the history of that, there's, always the chance in those early games that a team like West Virginia, which is like good enough, they're, they're a competent football team is going to come out and just ride the momentum. Um, and I think Penn state, you know, has kind of big hopes for the season. People are predicting that they could really throw a wrench into OSU and Michigan's plans. And I think that this raised some concerns for me this weekend as an OSU fan, um, that maybe I underestimated Penn state. Yeah, I think the thing to really look for here is the fact that Drew Aller looked mostly the part of a five-star guy who's coming in and is going to be the guy for Penn State for a couple years. He was 21 of 29 for 325 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. It looks like they also found some wide receivers, which was kind of the spot that if we looked at Penn State coming into the season, you're like, defense is great. We think Drew Aller is going to be really good. The running backs, they we'll get to them in a second, were supposed to be the one of the strengths of the team. But then they got Keandre Lambert-Smith, who went for 123 yards and two scores. Harrison Wallace, the third, went for seven catches for 72 yards. Down a little bit deeper, he only had one catch, was Dante Cephas. He's a transfer from Kent State, like, Basically, every starter from Kent State transferred out when their head coach became the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Probably talk about them here in a second. But I think he's going to be really good. It was interesting that Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, their two running backs, both had double-digit carries, 13 for Singleton, 10 for Allen. Neither one had a huge game, 70 yards for Singleton, 51 for Allen. But again, 38-15 to victory over West Virginia. You might not need to rely on those two guys super heavily. 
so yeah, definitely a good pick. It's a good, good team. I'm I'm not necessarily looking forward to that October 21st matchup in Ohio no. Stadium with them just yet. And actually, like the play that scared me the most was the one touchdown pass that Lambert Smith caught that was like a 72 yarder where Drew Aller looked like he could have thrown that ball in his sleep. And I was like, okay, well, he he was literally like scrambling through the pocket and trying to launch it downfield and was just like, nah, I'll do this while I'm making breakfast. And it just like landed perfectly. And that is concerning to me. Yeah, very concerning. Like very that concerning. that specific play, I was like, oh, okay, well, everyone else might be in trouble now. Yeah, especially our alma mater. Um, all right, well, my number three is the aforementioned Colorado Buffaloes. I know that it was one yes. game. I know that TCU is not the same team that it was a year ago. I get all that. But you cannot watch this game, and at least from an entertainment perspective, not tell me that that was a top four uh, team this year. Are they going to be a top four team next week when they play Nebraska? Who knows? Uh, At the end of the season, probably not. But after week one, they have to be in the top four. They beat TCU 45-42 to on the road in Fort Worth. I know that Dion was pumping his chest after the game in a way that was perhaps a little bit unbecoming of somebody in his position, but he had a right to. Like They went out and proved everybody wrong, including me. I guess they proved you right because you did predict this win, Uh, but his son Shador Sanders was 38 of 47 for 510 yards and four touchdowns. It was not only his first game in Colorado, his first game in FBS, and he set a single-game record for Colorado quarterbacks with that yardage. So... Absolutely incredible. And then to me, as great as that was, and it was tremendous, you have Travis Hunter, who played both ways, went 125 snaps in this game, had 11 receptions for 119 yards as a wide receiver. And then on defense, he also had three tackles, an interception, and a pass breakup. So like, this was an incredible game to watch. It went back and forth throughout the entire game. It was exciting. It was fun. It was thrilling. And again, I'm not convinced that Colorado is actually going to be a good team this year. But for week one, they certainly deserve to be at number three, if not higher, as far as I'm concerned. For sure. Um, yeah, actually, I think that I would rethink my you're making me rethink my number four slot. I would probably slot them in at number four. I the other thing about Travis Hunter that we need to talk about is he was going both sides of the ball in like 105, 106 degrees heat, like in Texas. So just like the amount of physicality and how in shape he had to be to pull that off. Unbelievable. But as everyone knows at this point, I believe in Deion Sanders. So it's tough not to. It's tough not to. This one. Yeah, I was really rooting for them. All right, who do you have as your number two team right now, Jamie? University of North Carolina. I mean, so they played South Carolina, which was a, a decently close game. I mean, 31-17 is two, two touchdowns. But, like, we got to talk about Drake May, right? And we'll, I'm sure, get to him later in the show. But he threw for 269 yards, two touchdowns. 
North Carolina's defense had nine sacks in this game. Yeah, 16 um, tackles for loss. 16 tackles for loss. Insane. That is an insane statistic. This was a neutral site game, so they're not even like putting up these numbers on their home field. There's something about this team with Drake May at the helm that really works for me. And I think that we saw that on Saturday. Yeah. Interestingly enough, my number two team is the North Carolina Tar Heels. So I had them there in that spot as well. Like you said, I mean, Drake May did throw for two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. So I want to put that out there. But the thing that really impressed me was the defense. Like you said, 16 tackles for loss in terms of rushing yards. They only allowed 11 rushing yards. Now, sack adjusted, it was only 65, but that's still three yards a carry. And, you know, South Carolina, a great team. No, probably not. But they are a you know Division One FBS Power Five SEC team coached by Shane Beamer that were on a, a bit of a hot streak towards the end of last season. So uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect of this game. I thought North Carolina would be better than South Carolina, but this, even though it was only a two score game, felt like a much bigger butt kicking than perhaps even the score showed. And if you can clean up a couple of those ints from from Drake May, this might turn into. I don't know, a, a, a bigger score. They only, uh, the Gamecocks only scored three points off of those turnovers, but that took away the opportunity for them to score. So it might've been a, you know, even a 38 or a 41 to 17 uh, to 14 game. So uh, I like that. I was very impressed with North Carolina. It was a neutral site technically, but it was in Charlotte. So that's probably much more of a North Carolina crowd. But overall I was super, super impressed with, uh, with the Tar Heels. The other thing about, you know, the South Carolina team only scoring three points off those turnovers is not a knock on that South Carolina team because no. the South Carolina team that we saw at the end of last season would have converted those for touchdowns. It is absolutely a testament and only a testament to the North Carolina defense. It is not a knock on that South Carolina offense. No, not at all. All right. We have the same number two. I have a feeling we're going to have the same number one, Jamie. So who do you have in your top spot following week one for our college football playoff picks? I mean, Matt, (laughs) Matt, Matt, Matt. We all watched the game yesterday, right? Like we did. It's got to be Florida State upsetting LSU. There is no world in which Florida State is not the number one team if we're looking only at what happened this weekend. I just, Jordan Travis, we will certainly get to him Yes, in a little bit. Accounted for five touchdowns. Like, this should have been a close game, and it was a 45-24 win. I had LSU as my number one seed going into the, like, if you would ask me who will be the number one seed at the end of the season, I said LSU. So, like, as much as I was gloating about Colorado, Florida State, has forced me to eat some crow here or at least rethink some things. That was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable football game and an unbelievable outing. We'll get into the Jordan Travis of it all later, but also got to talk about Keon Coleman, the Michigan state transfer who went for three touchdowns. I mean, this, this was the game this weekend. This was the big game. These were a number five seed and a number eight seed. So it was always going to be, a good football game, but I actually didn't expect Florida state to throttle LSU the way that they did. Yeah. And one of those things too, if you look at the box score, a sneaky thing that might've held back 
Florida State even more is the fact that they had seven penalties for 63 yards, which if that continues to go on throughout the course of the season, that obviously will be an issue. But it's week one. Things can get a little sloppy in week one. And yet they still beat the number five team in the country by three touchdowns. And they did it going away. Uh, Florida State was down 17 to 14 at halftime. They you know, scored 31 points after the break. And LSU literally was shut out until the last couple minutes of the, I think it was like a minute and 15 or something left in the game. That was the only points they scored. They got basically a useless touchdown at the end. Otherwise, they were outscored 31 nothing in the second half in the second half. So super impressive. I I think it is very clear that Florida state is here to stay. A guy that I work out with at the gym is a Florida state alum. So we have to talk about college football and I've always been, ah, that's nice. Florida state, they're a nice little program. Now they, uh, they are certainly a team that you have to keep an eye on and would not be surprised if they are able to come out of the ACC and make a really, really strong push for the actual college football playoff when we get to November. Right. All right, Jamie. So that's who we think should be in the top four based off of the week zero and week one action. Now, who do you think will be in the college football playoff when we get to December, when those announcements are made that can factor in anything, what we saw now, what we expect from programs, where their rankings are, because that will impact a little bit as to, you know, where the playoff committee puts them, Run through your four through one as to where you have them right now. Um, I'm going to put Washington in the four slot. Penn State in the three slot. Florida State in the two spot. And I'm going to keep Georgia in the one spot. All right. So going into the season, your preseason prediction was Georgia at four, USC at three, Ohio State at two, and LSU at one. So a pretty big change for you. Only one of those teams remained in your top four, and that was Georgia going from four to one, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you saw a lot in that week one. I am going to stick with my picks. I'm going to reorder them a little bit. Coming into the okay. season, I had I had Georgia at four, Florida State at three, LSU at two, and Ohio State at one. And I obviously with those two in there, my prediction was that we would see Florida State and LSU meet again this season. I am going to go Florida State number one. I will go Ohio State number two, kind of letting my scarlet and gray colored glasses see things the way I want to see them there. Um, but I am going to have LSU at three and Georgia at four. I still think that LSU can come out of the West and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So we will see what happens there. The thing with Georgia is, is their schedule is so God awful that I can't see them losing more than one game. Maybe they lose to Tennessee late in the season. Like I know you think they will. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just, I mean, you know, when you look at their regular season schedule and say, what are the losable games? There's not many. So I I think that they'll still make it in, uh, but we'll have to see what order that is. All right, let's now pivot away from the college football playoff and get to the Heisman Trophy conversation. Again, we're going to do this like we did with our college football picks as of now. So this is not necessarily saying, well, Caleb Williams won last year, so he's got to be in there, or this was the preseason guy, so he's got to be in there. This is just based off of what we saw in week one. Okay, so these do not have to be in any order. These can just be the the guys you think will be invited to New York. So why don't you just hit me with one of them, um, and we'll go back and forth until we've exhausted all of them. 
So I'm going to say Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. Um, You mentioned this early in the podcast. He was absolutely dominant in that win over Boise State, which is a good football team. Going 29 for 40 passes, 450 yards, five touchdowns. It matched a career high. Four of those touchdowns came in the second quarter. So he went lights out in the second quarter. And he was just one touchdown pass shy of the school record of six, which Jake Browning set in 2016. I just think that he has to be in this conversation based on week one alone. And I don't think that he's a super surprising name to most people who've been kind of paying attention. No, not at all. Uh, He was on, he was certainly on my list. Um, I'm going to go a different direction and uh, I'm going to go with the next obvious guy and that is Jordan Travis. We talked about this game uh, a few minutes ago. I don't think you can look at that game and not put Jordan Travis into this mix. 23 of 31 for 342 yards and four touchdowns passing. Did have one interception, but he also added seven rushes for 38 yards and a touchdown. So he, you know, threw for 342 yards and then ran the ball seven times at a 5.4 yards per carry average and did it against a team that we think has a pretty good defense and and should you know be a contender going through the rest of the season. So Michael Penix, Jordan Travis are definitely two of the guys that I had at the top of that list. Yeah, I mean Jordan Travis, you you can't be having Heisman conversations without talking about him right now. And actually, I'm even going to let the interception slide because they were playing LSU, and oh, it's yeah. game one of the season. You're working out some kinks. You're still figuring things out, and this is a team that was ranked number five going into the game, like you're the underdogs and he threw one interception. Many quarterbacks would have thrown many more against LSU. And so I, I'm even going to let that one slide. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who else do you have in the, in this mix? I've got Drake may. I really liked what I saw against South Carolina. Um, he looked ready to go to the NFL tomorrow. And so he completed 24 of 32 passes, 269 yards, two touchdowns. As Matt said, he did have two interceptions uh, toward the end of the game. But we knew that this was going to be a quarterback battle because USC Spencer Rattler is also excellent. And like, I just, I thought he, Drake may really shined in this game um, in a way that leads me to believe that North Carolina might have something really special this season. And I think we have to have him in the mix if we're talking about week one performance and who we're keeping an eye on going forward. Uh, I would not have had him in my uh, my list just because of the two INTs in week one. You're like, there's other guys that did really well, but you're right. He does look the part and certainly might be the top pick in the NFL draft this coming year. I'm going to go. I'm just going to package these two guys together. I mean, they're obviously separate. I mean, they did things incredibly well, completely independent of each other. But I don't think you can have one without the other. And that's Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. I would actually put Travis Hunter, I think, number one in my book right now because of the fact that he did it on both sides of the ball. We have so gotten accustomed to this being a quarterback award. And obviously there was a wide receiver a couple of years ago and we see – you know, even Ohio State has had, um, you know, a defensive end with Chase Young as a finalist in recent years. But this is essentially a quarterback award to have a guy like Travis Hunter, who plays wide receiver and and cornerback, go out there and do the things he did, not just go out there and like be decent at both, but to literally be perhaps the best player at both of those positions uh, is pretty incredible. So 11 receptions for 119 yards. He also had an interception and three tackles 
at corner. And I might be exaggerating a little bit that he was the best at, at both of those positions because Dylan Edwards and Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. all had incredible games as wide receivers for Colorado as well. But like, I don't think you can have this conversation after week one, again, not projecting for the end of the season without Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders. Yeah, I think Travis Hunter is my is my favorite after this week. Like he would be if I had to give the Heisman to someone after this week, it's Travis Hunter for me. I just can't believe the athleticism that is required to play on both sides of the ball like that. And, and at that level, like he wasn't just a warm body. He was dominating in a way that is so impressive. And I hate that the Heisman has become a predominantly quarterback award. Like I just, it bothers me. Um, I think it takes some of the fun and some of the prestige out of it. Like we have awards for the top quarterback. We don't need to just always give it to the Heisman, give the Heisman to the quarterback. If there's somebody else, I I mean, I feel everyone knows I feel really strongly break Blake Corum should have been probably the Heisman winner last year. I, I don't, I, I like the idea of giving it to someone who's not a quarterback. And I think Travis Hunter makes it a really strong case after week one. Yeah. All right. Anybody else on your list still? Yeah, I mean, I just made that whole spiel about how we shouldn't give it to a quarterback, but I can't have this conversation and not talk about Caleb Williams. And like, I just, he was extremely impressive. I know they were only playing Nevada, but he had a really great week zero in which like, whatever, do we count week zero? I don't really, but he looked really good Saturday night. Um, He just absolutely destroyed Nevada's defense. He went for 319 yards, five touchdowns, 42 yards on the ground. He's played 16 total games at USC so far, and he has five touchdowns in six of those games. And like, (laughs) that's silly. It's just goofy. Like, he's so, so good at football. He's so good. And I just so as much as it pains me to like say, let's repeat. I just I think it's Caleb Williams has to be in the conversation. That's fair. I've got one more guy that I'm going to throw in there that is probably a dark horse and I don't know that we'll get a ton of actual consideration unless he continues to do this thing you know week in and week out but I'm going to stick over on the left coast and one of the few remaining Pac-12 teams and I'm going to go with Oregon State's DJ Uyunglele he went 20 for 25 for 239 yards passing and three touchdowns and a 42 to 17 win over San Jose State you're like okay 20 of 25 is good but it was only 239 yards and three touchdowns he also had two rushing touchdowns as well and it was only you know 10 total yards on six carries but he's a big dude and he can run the ball especially when you get down towards the goal line so the fact that he accounted for five touchdowns in a game where he didn't need to like they did eventually pull him out and put another quarterback in against San Jose State who is not a great team but I I interviewed Stuart Mandel from The Athletic on the Land Grant Podcast Network feed here from Fans for a Sports Network and we both were just kind of like we both want Oregon State to win the Pac-12 just because like they were the team that one of the two teams that is getting ignored in all of this conference expansion talk. And it would just be fun if they won and nobody wanted them. So I'm rooting for Oregon state and I'm rooting for DJ Uyunglele. Like he was fine at Clemson, not nearly as good as everybody expected him to be as a five star, five star prospect coming in. But like, I watched a lot of this game and like, 20 for 25 is good no matter who you're playing, even if it's only for, you know, 239 yards, but that's still, you know, more than 10 yards of completion, three touchdowns, two on the ground. Like, give me a little bit more of DJU. I, I, I would not be surprised if he's able to continue this, if he ends up making a push towards New York come the end of the season. Well, and you know what, Matt, this is not the point, but if our OSU is not going to have a quarterback in the Heisman <laughs> conversation, 
Oregon State certainly should. Yeah, absolutely. Like to yeah. see one OSU represented. Yeah, I mean, we can claim him. Like when uh, when it looked like uh, when it looked like the Big Ten wasn't going to have football back in 2020, I wrote an article about what teams that you should like follow to to like fill that Ohio State void. I did the Oklahoma State and Oregon State for the OSU. I also said Iowa State because if you say it fast enough, it kind of sounds like Ohio State. So I'm all for rooting for Oregon State and DJ Uyunglele if Ohio State's not going to have a a Heisman Trophy level quarterback this season. Which who knows? They might still. Uh, but as of now, not looking good. Yeah, not not after week one. That's no. for sure. Please, Kyle McCord and Evan Brown, someone surprise us. But yeah, somebody. I mean, give me beg- begging you. Give me true freshman Lincoln Keene Holtz if we have to. I'm fine either way. Yeah. All right, Jamie, that is all that we have for the very first edition of Fame and Fortune and everything that goes with it, the Fans First Sports Network podcast, looking at the college football playoff and the Heisman Trophy. If you want to follow the Fans First Sports Network, you can follow us on X or any social media platform you can find us on at Fans First SN. You can follow me on social media at Matt. Jamie, you are Jamie Urich or Jamie underscore Urich? Jamie Urich. Just Jamie Urich, J-A-M-I-J-U-R-I-C-H. We will be back on Thursday with the latest episode of No Fall Weddings, where we preview the entire week to schedule. So check us out. If you are finding this somewhere other than your podcast platform of choice, make sure that you subscribe so you get every episode as soon as it is released. And we are a new feed. So please make sure that you are giving us a rating, a review, telling your friends about us. We have incredible content coming out to you almost every single day, multiple times a day, covering all aspects and focuses that you could possibly want as a college football fan. Have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week, and we'll be back to talk to you on Thursday.